Thank you for listening to the Monmouth Praise Podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.praiseonline.net or follow us on social media on Facebook or Instagram. morning. Let's just put it like that. Or maybe a week. You didn't have to raise your hands, but that's encouraging that I'm not the only one, right? So let's just start with, uh, with prayer. Um, just inviting God. We know God is with us. God is here. His spirit is with us wherever we are, but um, let's, just, let's just ask for his blessing and anointing on this time. Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you that you have kept us through this week, through this morning. God, you have a plan for us. Uh, we, we trust in your word, and we look forward to what you want to speak to us today. Help us to hear you well and to live it out. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the last couple weeks, um, we've been talking about contending for what God has for our lives. Pastor Joe and Lila uh, came up and, and, and just shared with us from earlier in 1 Timothy about, about that. Whether men or women, whatever your background is, God has a calling on your life and you need to contend for what that should look like. And, uh, and then Pastor Ben last week shared about our connection with each other. And if you're, if you're here and remember the Jenga blocks up here on the stage and, and how we uh, are interwoven and connected in that, that duct tape that kind of holds us together, right? Keeps us going and gives us that foundation of truth. And that's really what the church is. Um, Paul to Timothy was saying, the church, this is what you are about. You're a foundation of truth, pillars of truth in your communities, in your neighborhoods, in your families. That's a high calling. That's a big responsibility. And today we're going to be talking about something I'm just calling it rich simplicity. This is not a, a special phrase that I came up with. It actually comes from the message version. If you look up 1 Timothy chapter 6, it talks about rich simplicity and living out that in our, in our lives. And so if you uh, have your Bibles with you, if you turn in or, or click to 1 Timothy chapter 6, I'm going to start um, by just sharing a, a quick little example. And the overarching question that we're going to be dealing with today is, what am I rich in and how am I sharing that with others? So um, I, I just have been thinking back to right after Holly and I moved back from Taiwan, this is about nine, ten years ago. We are just kind of getting back into the swing of American life, lots of changes. If you've ever been away for a while and you come back, there's something called reverse culture shock that's actually worse than original culture shock because you've changed and seemingly all the people around you haven't. At least that's what it feels like, even though, of course, they have as well. Um, so we were kind of dealing with all of that. I was finishing up seminary, just had finished up, starting to do some support raising for my work with international students. Holly was able, thankfully, to get a half-time job teaching in Salem. 
And that was really what was sustaining us for those first couple of years. And I can't even imagine looking back, like, how God kept us through that whole time without going into complete debt. But God was faithful, and God was providing for us. But every week, every day was a struggle. And I remember one night, it was a, a day that looked very similar to today, but I think it was more like summertime. Um, Grace was just a baby. And kind of to protect our, our floors in our house, but also just to enjoy the day, we just took a picnic blanket, and we set it out on the front yard. And we didn't have very elaborate meals at that point, so we just boiled up some spaghetti, and we opened up a can of the cheap, you know, pasta sauce, put that on there, and just let Grace go at it in the front yard. <laughs> so it's a great strategy, just a free tip for parents. Uh, if you don't want to clean up the spaghetti mess, take them out into the yard. It's great. Driveway, whatever. Um, <laughs> But through all of the struggles and just trying to make ends meet during those first few years, that was a highlight because we just took some very simple things that we had. We laid them out and just tried to find the joy, like Mackenzie was talking about earlier. Tried to find the simple joy in that richness, which really at that moment didn't feel like a lot. But those are the things that I remember. I remember some of the struggles, too. I won't share all of those with you. But what, I, what we're going to start with talking about today is contentment. So if you have your, have your Bibles, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to be in verses 6 to 8 to begin with. Paul says to Timothy, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Godliness and contentment. So he was dealing with a church that were really trying to, some of the leaders were trying to make money off of this thing. They're trying to get personal gain from, from the church. And Timothy, and then Paul was giving him advice, they were trying to deal with that. And to get back to the basics of what, what this faith meant and what it should mean for them. To get, to get back to godliness and contentment. And Paul says that basically everything is going to go away. At the end of our lives, we're not going to be left with anything. So what is it that we have? We have our faith in God. And we have the ability to choose com, uh, contentment in that. So... When everything in our lives is stripped away, when, it gets, when we get back to the basics and we realize that we really don't deserve it to begin with, that's when we start to realize that everything is a gift. The fact that we even breathe is a gift. Um, Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, and I'm going to read from the message version here, chapter 4, verses 10 to 14. He says, I am glad in God, far happier than you would ever guess. Happy that you're again showing such strong concern for me. Not that you have ever quit praying and thinking about me. You just have had no chance to show it. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content, whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with as little as with much with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, 
hands full or hands empty, whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. I don't mean that your help didn't mean a lot to me. It did. It was a beautiful thing that you came alongside me in my troubles. Now, there's a verse in there that in other translations says something like, I can do all things through him who, who gives me strength. That one's been taken out of context so many times. Because what Paul is very clearly talking about in this passage is contentment. Of course, God can give you anything in any situation that you need beyond contentment. But Paul was specifically talking to the church in, uh, in Philippi. He was encouraging them that God will give you contentment whether you have a lot or whether you have a little. That's a promise that God has made to us. So many of you know that um, I have the, the privilege to be working and coordinating the warming centers here in Polk County. It's been, I, I say this many, many times, but it's been one of the most exhausting, but one of the most exciting things that I've ever done. And I have the, the honor of getting to know some really incredible people through that. Uh, one of those incredible people, her name is Anna. Uh, she's one of our all-star hosts. And uh, Anna went through a really hard time about two months ago. She was in a, a pretty bad car accident, broke her leg, and was in the hospital for about a week. And uh, that took her out of hosting. She wasn't able to, to come and spend the night and give hospitality anymore for a while. But uh, one thing she asked was, hey, can I hold the cell phone for the warming center? Um, it's one of those things that, you know, I would find myself holding that. You know, I had my, my phone in one hand and that one in my other pocket. And it's one of those things where you're like, you're eating dinner, you know, on a night that you're opening up the warming center. And then that, that ringtone goes off. You're like, oh, crud, I gotta answer that phone. So I looked at her and I just said, hey, this is great. Hold on to the phone as long as you want. And uh, she's been our go-to person the last two months, answering the phone very faithfully, giving, you know, coordinating rides, getting people to the warming center, wherever it's gonna be. And I talked to her the other day. She's just about ready to come back and start hosting again. And she just, she thanked me for the opportunity to do something. When she felt like she wasn't able to get there, she wasn't able to interact with the guests and, and do all these things that she really, really wanted to do. It was on her, her, her heart to do. But she could do something. And I think that's just such an amazing reflection on this passage of operating out of what we have. Um, she was rich in the fact that she could talk and answer the phone, even though she, she couldn't walk very well and she couldn't get around, but she could do that. And it's such an encouragement to me. Um, I just thanked her back because that was a great blessing to me to not have to answer that phone for a while. So she was operating out of her richness. If we move down in this passage to verses 17 to 19, we're going to hone in there uh, for this last part. Paul says to Timothy, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put, put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, 
who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. To be rich in doing good is what Paul is talking about. Whether we have a lot or whether we have a little. And our and lives ebb and flow. If you've been here more than a few years, you, you know that sometimes we do. We have a lot and sometimes we don't have as much. But Paul's encouragement to Timothy and to this young church was what are you doing with what you have? God has given you something. And today, this is true just as much as it was then. God has given you something. What are you doing with it? What is God asking you to be generous with? Who is God asking you to be generous with? What does this look like for you today? As we uh, met for speaking team breakfast this week, it's always an encouragement and uh, to, to get together with people who are wrestling with Scripture and trying to figure out, okay, where is God, where is God leading us? And one of the, the topics that really came out was, was privilege and the fact that in our, in our lives, all of us in this room, I can safely say we have privilege to some degree or another. The fact that we are here and there's no threat against us, we can meet freely in this building, we don't have to check our passports at the door, um, we don't get arrested when we leave, that's a privilege. That we are free to, to even have this moment together this morning. It's a privilege for many of us just because of our, of our background, our socioeconomic status. Some things that we, we often take for granted, I can say that safely for myself, that I, I have taken my privilege for granted. One of the things that Holly and I went through, we went through a lot of training as we were, pre were preparing for our adoption. And as an international adoption, one of the things that they have you, you work through is a series of articles and, and information about what's called white privilege. And you may or may not identify yourself as a white person, I, but I, I, can, I know that many of us do. And there are certain privileges that we experience every day that we may not even understand unless we take the time to reflect on that. And that was, that was a struggle for me because, you know, I didn't come from a very wealthy background. You know, we struggled. I remember literally putting the food stamps on the little card as a kid. You know, the, they still call them food stamps today, but there aren't stamps anymore. But, you know, we've, I've had my struggles, but working through that was very eye-opening for me because there are certain things that I get to experience and I get to do and I don't even consider that, not, you know, that other people aren't able to do those same things. I mean, as, as someone who grew up here in, you know, born and, and raised in Oregon, I have the privilege of, of traveling to certain countries that if you're not, if you don't have that background, you don't get to do. Um, even in this community, I have the privilege of, of not being scared about somebody coming to arrest me because of my citizenship. 
That's just not a question because of how I look and who I am. Um, that's, that is a struggle for some of our neighbors right around here. Um, so there are certain things that we, we all have uh, this, this privilege to, to acknowledge that is the first step in, in just understanding the richness that that is. And we are all rich in so many ways. And uh, I was looking up some st st statistics, if I can say that, this week. And there was a, a survey done of uh, just income levels around the United States. This was back in like 2013, but I imagine it's very similar today where it took the, the bottom 5% of income levels here in the United States and compared it to other countries around the world. And it showed that the lowest 5% in the United States is roughly equal to the highest 5% in a country like India. That our lowest 5% has a standard of living that is roughly better than 68% of the rest of the world. Now let that sink in just for a moment. We have a privilege just by the fact that we are here. That we live in a country that has certain things that are provided as a baseline. I mean, even if we don't actually own anything ourselves, we have sewers that typically work, water that is typically pretty much free, and we can go down to the park and we can hook up over there if we needed to. Um, there's a lot of baseline things that we get to experience in this country that are not the case in other parts of the world. So we are rich, whether we feel like it or not. We are rich. And I keep coming back to this idea of, of an advocate. And an advocate is really somebody who takes this power and takes this privilege and uses it for the benefit of somebody else. We had the opportunity to have three meetings at our kids' school about two weeks ago. Um, opportunity is a fairly positive word, I guess, but you know, when you, when you have meetings for each of your children in a single week, that usually means something's going on. Uh, and we really had the whole range. So we had a behavior thing that we were dealing with, we had just a normal educational plan that we were working through, uh, kind of an annual review. And then we had a TAG meeting, which stands for Talented and Gifted. So, I mean, literally, it was like the range. And uh, we had uh, three or four people, uh, the same staff were in each of these meetings. <laughs> so it was kind of humorous, like, we're like, oh, hey, yeah, we'll see you tomorrow, okay. But Holly and I had the opportunity as parents, and I know um, other parents in this room, you've done this for your kids. We had the opportunity to be an advocate for our children and to say, okay, this is the situation, and this is what we're going to do to help. And this is what you, know, you can do to help here during the school day, but this is what we want to see. We want our kids to grow, and we want our kids to do well to be good students and good friends where they're at. And we, we were able to sit around the table and be an advocate for them. We were using our, um, 
our privilege as, as parents to be able to speak into that situation. And I think it, it helps that we bring food for the teachers and, you know, <laughs> things like that. So we're, we're very involved with the parent-teacher club and, you know, so they can't really be too mad at us because maybe we won't bring them M&Ms next time. So <laughs> we would never hold that over their heads. We don't want to bribe anybody, but... It does help. If you're in a situation like that, it does smooth things over. So bring some food. So in all of this, we have the opportunity to, to trust in Jesus. And that's really where, where I want to, to end with today. There's a story in the Gospels about a lady who the Gospels describe her as a widow, who later on in her life, and she goes into to the temple, and she literally has two copper coins. And she lays those down into the offering area. And Jesus tells his disciples, who are around basically mocking her and saying, well, she didn't give very much. That she gave all that she had. She gave more, Jesus says, than everyone else that day because she gave sacrificially. She was, she was truly trust, trusting God because that may have been all that she had. She gave what she had. What I suggest to you this morning is that even if you don't even have those two pennies to rub together, as my dad would say, even if you don't have that, we have the opportunity to have Jesus. And if we have Jesus, we have the best gift that we can give to anyone. If we can't give anything else, we can share Jesus. So yesterday, um, we were down visiting family and had the chance to swing by my grandparents' house. They're getting on, they're in their upper 80s now. And um, so we, we try to make opportunities to go visit, spend time, you know, we're all realizing that this, we might not have much more time left, and I always find myself, I don't know if you've done this with relatives in the past, but I always find myself like sneaking photos, you know, just to make sure that we have some, uh, that we haven't forgotten to take those pictures, and um, we just want to value that time and not take it for granted. So we brought sub sandwiches, my grandparents like to eat spicy Italian, so brought them a spicy Italian, and they're, they're, they're not picky. They just, you know, they have their things. It's spicy Italian for my grandpa and uh, McDonald's um, McChicken sandwiches. That's like, he eats so many of those that everyone else is sick because he's eating so many. <laughs> so we have the opportunity to visit, and it's, it's hard. Um, I always tell people, um, and this is with full appreciation of of my grandparents, but they have some physical things that they're dealing with. Uh, I kind of tell people that you put them together and they're like one person because my grandpa can hardly hear anyone. My grandma can hear, but my grandma basically is blind. My grandpa can see. So you put them together, my grandpa drives, my grandma listens for the sirens, and then <laughs> they're good, they're good. So we were, you know, telling the kids, okay, go get your shoes on. We, got, we had to get to another appointment, kind of wrapping up. And 
Um, even though it's hard for them to get out of their chairs and walk us to the door, they, they're hospitable people and they want to do that. They want to get, walk us out and say goodbye and give us whatever they've been collecting to give us. You know, my grandpa always gives me these little uh, preaching magazines. You know, and so I, okay, grandpa, yeah, I'll maybe read them. And but it's it's very sweet. So we're standing there, and you can put the picture up, Clara. Um, we are, uh, oh, it's not up there because that screen's off. There it is. So apparently my grandma's the only one who knows how to smile for a, a camera. But <laughs> So we're getting ready to leave, and my grandpa leans over, puts his arm around me, and he says, a lot of people think that my ministry's over. Now, if you know my grandpa, he was an Assemblies of God preacher for years and years and years. One of the most powerful speakers that I've, I've known. Uh, he'd have people, I mean, coming down the aisles, altar calls. Um, he went out to the prisons in Salem, and he'd speak, and uh, that, was, that was his thing. I mean, he was just a powerful man. Uh, he's, I mean, he was just a, a, a force, really. He's lost a lot of weight. Um, it's, it's really hard for him. He doesn't go walking anymore. Uh, because he can't hear, it's hard for him to even have a conversation with someone. But he puts his arm around me and he says, Matt, many people think that my ministry is over because, you know, I can't, I can't preach anymore. It's hard for me to get around. But he says, I pray for you multiple times every day. I can't preach anymore, but I can, I can pray. I'm praying for you, and I'm praying for your brother, and I'm praying for your kids. My grandpa doesn't have a lot, but what he does have, he's using. He can't get up in front, and he can't preach, and he can't share the gospel with people outside very much. You know, even if he does, he doesn't know what they're saying back, if they're responding yes or no. He can read a little bit of lips. But what he can do is he can pray, and he's doing it. That's the ministry that he has, and he's living it out. What ministry does God have for you? Maybe you're feeling like today that you don't have a lot, that you're not very rich. What do you have? How can you use that to bless someone? How can you use that to serve someone, to help someone in need around you? Maybe all you can do is pray. And that's enough. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have made us rich. Because of you and because of, because of Jesus, we have the opportunity to, to live and to have hope for a future that is brighter than today. So God, would you help us to live that out this week as we go from here, as we go back into our daily lives that are, that are hard, as we interact with people who are struggling. God, help us not take for granted all that we have, especially all that we have because of you. God, you sustain us and you keep us going. So God, we just want to trust you better and deeper today and understand our richness and live generously because of it.
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I love that heart that's in that song. Thank you, Matt, for sharing with us today and just that vulnerability. And You know, contentment is not settling. Contentment is living out God's best for your life. You see, Matt's grandparents, they're not settling in this season of life. They're living out their best season yet. You know, sometimes contentment is, is the needs for us to have a change of perspective. And I think that's what that song that we just sang represents. Because sometimes we look at life and we think, you know, if there was just a little bit more money in the checking account, I could be content. You know, if, if my spouse could just do this, or if we could just live in this house, or, you know, we have all these, these thoughts and ideas, and the enemy tries to get us caught up in, in how culture views happiness and contentment, when God is simply saying, contentment is only found in me. He's saying, do you understand that I love you so much that even in your sin, I was willing to put my son on a cross so that you could have life. And see, we can, we can spend and waste our entire lives searching out, trying to find contentment when Jesus is saying, I've been chasing you all along. And I love it in uh, Hebrews chapter 13. He says this, he says, keep your lives free from the love of money. That doesn't mean we can't have money. There's nothing wrong with having money. And be content with what you have because God has said never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. You know, maybe you're here this morning and in hearing all that, you're reminded that you're not content. I, I spent this whole week, as we talked about um, on Tuesday at, at the speaking team, thinking about contentment. I wrestled with it all week long, and I would tell you that I am a liar if I tried to tell you that I'm fully content today. But what I recognize is that I gotta stop chasing it and I gotta start embracing it because Jesus is right there and he loves me and he loves you and he wants you to embrace him in a way that you've never embraced him before. So maybe today it's time that you lay some things down at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, I'm gonna stop chasing that happiness. I'm gonna stop looking for contentment because it's been all with me all along in you. So I just wanna take a moment and pray with, pray with you as we close this, this time together. But if you think today you can't walk out in a, in a, with a spirit of contentment, it's a lie from the enemy because you can, because you can receive Jesus in your life. You have forgiveness of sins. You have hope of a future. And guess what? You are not alone because guess what? Every man, woman, and child that has said yes to Jesus, they're your family. You have grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles. You've got brothers and sisters in Christ that are with you and fighting for you. Whether you're going through a season of plenty or whether you're going through a season where it's just things are really low, guess what? You have people around you that love you and are willing to walk with you. So let's just pray together this morning. And as we pray, I want you to, whatever is keeping you from being content, I want you to lay it down today. I'm willing to lay it down. You know, it's funny this week, it was a hard week. In fact, Friday ended at 11 p.m. as I was making my way from the job site. And I, I gotta be honest with you guys, I was wrestling with thoughts of like, what's the point? <laughs> you know, what is the point? And we go through these seasons like this at times. 
And Jesus just quietly reminds us, I'm the point. I'm the point of it all. Let's pray together. God, we thank you this morning for your word. God, we thank you this morning for your presence, for your power. Lord, thank you that even though we spend lots of our lives struggling, trying to figure it out, God, that all along you're just chasing us. All along you're there with us. And Lord, this morning, I, I just pray that, that we could understand that we need to just release all this stuff. And we need to just ask you to come into our hearts, into our lives, to be our Lord and to be our Savior. God, help us every day to get our eyes fixed upon you. Help us every day to walk with you, God. Help us to quit trying to chase down contentment and to be content in knowing that we are your kids, to be content in knowing that you've given us forgiveness, to be content in knowing that we have eternity in front of us because you went to that cross. And Lord, I just pray that every day that we would live our lives as the richest people on earth because we have Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Savior. God, help us to live generously. Help us, God, to make the most of every moment of every day because Jesus is in our hearts, because Jesus is alive. And we thank you so much, God, that even through the most difficult moments, that you're there with us. So, Lord, I pray for those in the room that are struggling. God, strengthen them today. Encourage them today. God, I pray that they would hear and be reminded that you love them, that you're proud of them, that you're excited for moments with them, that you're looking forward to every day of their lives. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please don't miss out the opportunity if you're interested in Alaska today. Matt, where are we going to be gathering up at? We're going to meet downstairs. So if you're interested in Alaska, even if you're wrestling with it, go. Trust me, it's totally going to be worth it. And uh, have, a, have a wonderful afternoon. We'll look forward to seeing you next week.